Hello and welcome to Bold Leadership. I'm Colin Pooler, your co-host, and along with Cavis Reed, we're dedicated to the discussions of leadership. We have entertaining conversations on the challenges, learnings, ups and downs, and fundamentals of leadership. Our podcast involves interviews with people across the spectrum of business, public policy, community, athletics, and across a whole range of ages. So enjoy along with us, every guest, and every conversation we have. Laugh a little bit, and don't worry, you don't have to be bold to enjoy it. Today's guest is Tracy Arno, founder and CEO of Essence Executive Recruitment. Kavis, we're having a meeting. We're having an official meeting. <laughs> and then the fire alarm's going off. I mean, she just, she literally just opened the oven door to take some chicken out. Right? Oh. And it was just like, oh, it was nuts. So, um, Did the policeman come? Not this time. <laughs> this time. It has happened, oh, that's but, good. But not this time. <laughs> <laughs> we normally tell everybody to stay bald as one of our slogans. <laughs> Got it. Yeah, no, I'm not, sorry. Not going to be bald. Communication is key. And having the ability to have that open communication and have that welcoming, like feeling in a safe space to have that communication is very, very important. But I also say as like an aspiring leader, that doesn't matter what level you're in or you just there has to be some self-reflection and self-accountability, right? Like you can't think or you shouldn't depend on someone to make you that leader. You have to do the work to get there too, right? So in trying to define on what's my own purpose and what do I want to do and, and how can I get there? I need help to get there, but how can I get there? And what's my role to play in it? Listen as she talks about how she identifies leaders and the dynamics of culture in an organization. My, my my wife's in the kitchen right now <laughs> and, and, and she's she is um uh she's heading out right away but i'm assured that the smoke alarms will not go on today oh did that happen before <laughs> so so tracy uh, i don't know if you've have you ever met my wife no. Okay. Well, that that that's her coming out of our porta potty. Um. So. Oh. Um, so we had <laughs> we we had our house renovated, and so we moved out for a few months. Had a porta potty left on our front lawn for the workers and stuff, and so people would use it, and we we people could take pictures and they'd send them to me and stuff. So, anyways. So we lived in this house for like twenty five years. That we're gonna we didn't want to move. So let's just redo the whole house. So we moved out, they redid the whole house, but it used to be that you only needed like one smoke detector on a floor. Well, now with the new code, like you have smoke detectors, like in every single room. And right. <laughs> so we've got like two in the hallway, like right behind me here. And then there's three rooms. The doors are like, like six feet apart. So the each bedroom there they've got a smoke detector and then there's more down the hall and then there's like i've got them in the garage now so don't worry we're, we are covered but they okay are good <laughs> they are super sensitive <laughs> <laughs> so so did you you're doing a podcast and the fire alarm went off well Kavis, we're having a meeting we're having an official meeting <laughs> And then the fire alarm's going off. I mean, she just, she literally just opened the oven door to take some chicken out, right? Oh. And it was just like, oh, it was nuts. So, 
Um, Did the policeman come? Not this time. <laughs> this time. Has happened, oh, that's but, good. But not this time. <laughs> we got it before. It happened to us once. Like, yeah, because there are so many of them. It went like the steam from the shower. Yeah. And it like yeah. set off the fire alarm. And I didn't know that it caught, like it called the fire department and they came. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 The last time yeah. went, when they came, they like, you know, they wanted to check to make sure everything was okay. And then, you know. Then they actually gave me, they, they took our number and they actually gave me a brochure in case we wanted cooking lessons. I'm I'm not joking. I am not joking. Oh my God, so it's hilarious. a good thing I answered the door because if my wife had answered this, like, I don't know if these guys would get away with this. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so the smoke alarm so this is not the first time this has happened since we moved back into the house. So they, they put brand new smoke alarms in and they put the battery from like, you know, they, they have the backup oh, batteries in them, but yeah. some of them must've been like old batteries. Oh. So I go to, we go to bed. I'm out like a light dead to the world. And all of a sudden the alarms are going off. <laughs> So, you know, of course I jump out of bed and I'm, I'm, uh, there's, I could see light underneath our bedroom door and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what's happened? So I rushed out of the bedroom and okay, first of all, I normally only get up in the middle of the night if I got to go, you know, you know, bathroom or something, right? So yeah, that wasn't my original plan, but by the time I jumped up and ran out, I was kind of ready at that point. So, <laughs> and I was up on the chair pushing the buttons of the smoke alarm. And I'm like, what are you doing? She goes, well, I guess the battery started getting weak. And so it was beeping and it was driving her nuts. Um, I couldn't hear it. So she didn't know what was wrong. So she started pushing the buttons on these. Well, all the smoke alarms went off at once. So we were, <laughs> yes, that was um, the thing. <laughs> well, that, and now you got to live with it. Because you have all these smoke alarms, so now you know what to do. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. Well, listen, well, let's 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 get rolling. And uh, uh, well, welcome to Ball Leadership. And I'm uh, I'm Colin Pooler with co-host Kavis Reed. And today we have Miss Tracy Arno. And um, Tracy is is the founder and, and uh, CEO of Essence Recruitment. Uh, you're you are personally based out of Saskatoon, but you've got offices and operations in Regina, Saskatoon, Calgary? And Calgary, yes, yeah. And Calgary, yes, okay. I, I didn't know if you were in Edmonton as well, but you got an office in Calgary, so awesome. Tracy, when I when I was reading up on you, one of the things that stood out is that not only the fact that you've done this uh, in it's essentially independently, but Tell us a little bit about your journey to starting your company. How how did that all evolve for you? Yes. Okay. So I was working for a very large agency, actually one of the largest ones in the world. And I was also, and I was managing Saskatchewan and sometimes helping out in Alberta. And I also was uh, kind of in my journey of becoming the Saskatoon Chamber uh, chair. So I chaired quite a few committees and one of them was small business. And I always thought like I had a value system, um, that I wanted, to, why I was successful in what I was doing. 
And I wanted to do that. And I also knew in Saskatchewan, we didn't have a lot of search firms that focused on leadership. And so my thought was, is that I wanted to start my own firm on my value system and really focus on the humans, um, not the bottom dollar, because in our industry, right, like our product is people. And, um, and so you have to be very careful that you're dealing with human lives um, for a for-profit business. And so I really wanted to focus on the human side of that. And sorry, this is kind of a little bit long-winded, but then, yes, so I was uh, chairing the small business committee and I thought if they can do it, I can do it. So I started Essence. See, I told you, Kavis. <laughs> what, that I'm long-winded? You're going to like this one. You're going to like this one. <laughs> No. <laughs> Why? Because I'm so long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's just I, I thought this is going to be an awesome conversation because <laughs> one of the, like, the key reason, the key reason I wanted, to, I wanted to get you, get you on, on, on the show. And I mean, we've had an opportunity to talk to people across, like from public policy to business to executives so far, and each conversation is 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 a, is a little bit different, but. Um, uh, I mean, full disclosure, like I've, I've worked with Tracy for a few years and, uh, she's helped, uh, helped me out personally with a few things and, um, and, uh, both from as an employer, but also, uh, with, with some of the other volunteer things I've, I've done as well to help us with, with searches. And, and so I was really interested to have a bit of a conversation about in your role in identifying leaders some of the key things that you see that are really important, the things that you search for. So I'm really glad that you started off as to why you started and you talked about <laughs> your values and the focus on leadership here, what, what you saw as a gap here. So if you're good with this, we're going to ask you all sorts of questions about this. Oh. And <laughs> so <laughs> Friday afternoon and my brain has to be working. Okay. Got it. <laughs> So fire it up, get some more coffee, and we'll be good. Okay. <laughs> I do you have a cup here? So yeah. <laughs> and I don't have one. <laughs> That's all right. Um, Tr Tracy, when you so as you started that business, you said you, you were really focused on some things around your own values, and you saw there was a gap. You felt that there was a, a, a gap in terms of. Um, organizations that focused on leadership and, and, and finding leaders. I mean, you actually said a whole bunch of things in there, but I, I was really interested about why, why leadership, like what, what stepped out in that versus other types of recruitment you might've been doing. Yeah. So at that time there wasn't, and actually still to this day, there's not a lot of uh, selection of what you can, like if you're going to hire a firm or an agency, you really don't have a lot. Like I think in total, there's about around 10 in Saskatchewan. And when you think about it, like there's like 400, 600 people either they're doing it independently or with a group uh, in Alberta. And then we have like a thousand in, in Vancouver, right? So that's kind of the ratio. So at the time there was uh, the, for the agency that I was working for and two other agencies in Saskatoon. And then there was about the same in Alberta, but they were kind of all encompassing. So they weren't, 
Um, they weren't focused on anything. Everybody was just recruiting everything. And that happens because we live in a province of a million people. So you really can't be a specialty. But what there wasn't was there was only very few people that um, did kind of like, there was a couple that did very executive, would only do very executive, but there was no one that really did a great job of focusing on leaders within the organization. So that could even be like the mid-management to the management to the executive, right? That piece and kind of that succession planning within, it was either someone did the CEO search or they did kind of everything else, right? Like the front line just or, or work strong in one area or the other, right? So that's where I thought would be my niche is kind of that higher upper level. So, and now it's actually, uh, we focus now working with either not-for-profits or small to medium-sized businesses and really trying to help build out their teams. We still don't do entry level. We're not great at that type of stuff, mm -hmm. but we do more of kind of, we want to help them build out their teams. And that's, we have a lot of long-term relationships that way. And when you when you say you're looking at building out the leadership structure for companies by the the, the recruitment aspect, what are some of those uh, uh, essential qualities that you look for when you're selecting candidates to present to organizations? Yeah. So, and I should have mentioned this at the beginning when I started Essence, and this is we started with fit and culture, like even then, and that was more not as known back then like there was more like we're looking at what they can do and i look at who they are right so that actually really does help with retention and long-term succession planning so a lot of the kind of key leadership skills are like those soft skills right like the listening skills the taking accountability skills um you know collaboration the willingness to fail like the the willingness to learn from others right like so that humbleness there that piece and then there's also like the like the, the the accountability piece and the reason and, and the um and personal growth um willingness and wanting to that's what i would say some of those are kind of those key things about that so it's not an i it's a we always and that's what i'm looking for so and with time like i mean if you think about this this is 12, 15 years ago, there was a lot, the leadership was different then, right? Like it was more kind of a dictatorship type of leadership. And I mm -hmm. wasn't about that. I never have been about that. So we've been looking for leaders that are more kind of like that flat and like bring people up um, and believing that their teams are what make them who they are. Right. So that kind of now has pulled into more of an employee centric type of cultures with these great leaders. So, you know, it's funny that, uh, the things that you're talking about is very much what we're hearing more and more out of the research uh, last 10, 15 years of research is, is actually being compiled and, and several authors have, have really uh, emphasized what I think we've always known historically, if you go back thousands of years, but they've actually been able to quantify this based on research to talk about things like, you know, empathy, humility, uh, self-awareness, the elements that um, have often well, I used to used to hear the word soft skills <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, like it was something that, you know, uh, they're, they're minor, they're minor issues, but they're actually the leading things now. And, and um, yeah. whether it be uh, authors like Ed Hess, who, who's uh, really almost a future thinker in, uh, in this space, but the, the ability to, to touch people emotionally and to 
be emotionally engaged and, and um, uh, engage others in, in, in building teams. So uh, do you, yeah. do you see, do you see, what, what kind of trend do you see in that area or, or you've got some other thoughts on that? Like you mean trend, like what are we seeing? Like, is it, is this a thing in other organizations you mean now or like, yeah, like is, is, so, this a, is this a yeah. thing in business? Like, is this, yeah. um, yeah. Is this a trend? Sorry, is this a is this a fad or is this something real here that we're seeing? No. Oh no, it's something real for sure. So, like, what I would say is that it was interesting. Like, twelve years ago, I was educating people, and this is like these are like who your essentially your team should be, right? Like, look at these. I ever since I've and I've been in recruitment for like twenty years now, um, and I would say that I've always looked on the who, not not just the what, right? So where before where it is now a lot that is a thing like everyone does that like they would hire for skills right or sorry hire for uh, personality and train the skills right so are training for the experience so that is a thing and i don't think it's a fad because it's actually what you're seeing is is that well these employee-centric cultures is the demand of what the employees want right and so you can't have that type of you have to have the right value add in the organization. So I call it like there's, there's lingo words now called there's also people talk about culture fit, right? Now people are also talking about culture add. So everyone fits the right culture, but they may add brings like different types of um, ideas, experiences, all those kind of fun things where uh, that also can blend in into the organization and actually see it grow. So in different ways, whereas culture fit may just kind of have it stagnant now because everybody is the same person so we're seeing a lot of that now too it still comes back to always being in the right culture yeah and i want to uh expound on that if you i think all too often businesses teams churches all organizations speak this word culture and how much time do you find that organization actually spend on defining their culture? And have you seen most of the companies you've worked with, is there a defined culture? So if we're talking about cultural fit and cultural ad, I think we need to have the culture to be able to have a reference point in terms of what we find it. Do you find that the cultures are well-defined? And for those who are listening, what do we mean by culture? Yeah. No, they don't. Actually, it's really interesting. So when I actually explain to them or ask them, like when we do our exploratory meetings at the very beginning, I'm like, what is you, how would you define your culture? And you literally have these blank faces in front of you going, um, I don't know, but we're looking for a really good fit. So I'm like, so we really have to pull it out of them. Really? Like, what is, how would you define your culture? And then we go to the rest of their team and we were like, how do you define the culture? Really like good employers actually do understand their culture and they can, and they can speak from it at the top because they have a vision of what that culture looks like. Right. So, but most kind of just allow that culture to happen and then they actually have to think about it. So, um, and so it actually, I did a presentation. It was about five years ago. And I think that the present, like the don't hold me to this, but I think it was like 67% of leaders had to get real about their culture because it was their employees creating the culture. It wasn't the leader. So the leaders thought that they had this culture, but they weren't leading it. So 
they had to kind of go back and invest in the organization because they had a vision of what they wanted the culture to be now. So they actually focused on that and then they created that culture. So yeah, it's, it, it, so it's better. I don't think the percentage is 67, but it is, there's not a week that goes by that I don't have a blank face of like, I don't know what it is. So they never think about yeah. it. It just naturally happens. Yeah. So, and, and I, I'm wondering if in, in the recruitment business, is there opportunity to spend more time coaching organization on culture defining? And because if it's a really on the go, uh, adjust as on the fly kind of a thing, then sometimes the talent may become suffocated or the growth may be stagnated because the culture isn't as mature as it needs to be to nurture younger, uh, more vibrant, energetic, less stable as we speak in our career talent. Is that something that you think or have seen as a need? Yes, for sure. I, it, but it can, it's because we work with small to medium sized businesses, it's not as difficult as if it were like a corporate culture, right? To change that quickly. Okay. So generally, right. if we're having these conversations around that, they're either now working on their culture or they're understanding that they need to be working on it. So it's something that, I'm seeing a lot of that. This is a continual thing, especially because if right now in this market, right, like it is an employee market and it will be for, I, I will probably be retired and gone by the time this is not employee market. Like it's just, <laughs> it just, well, it's just, there's no people. Like, I mean, people left and there's not enough people getting into the market. Like we know that like in the next 70 years, we're going to have one third of the market that we do right now. Right. So we have to focus on the employee and to be a top employer, you have to be an employee of choice. So to be an employee of choice, you have to understand your culture, right? So it kind of goes into that. And even in like, I now have a class that I teach on recruitment where three people are like recruiting on the side of the desk. And I just said, it all comes back to your employer brand and to be an employer of choice, no matter what you do, it's all coming back to that piece. So, and then that starts with defining your culture. I just got to pause for a second because you said you're going to be retired, old, and gone. (laughs) So, Cavis, you and I don't have a chance, man, because (laughs) I've I've already been offered the seniors discount at places. Uh, Carp just called me last uh, week ago. Right. No word of a lie. Canadian Association of Retired Persons called me. It's like, hey, happy birthday. We gave you a call. All these special <laughs> discounts. <laughs> so- Colin, I got offered the, the seniors discount with a friend the other day, and I stupidly didn't accept it. I realized it was almost half the price. <laughs> <laughs> but it was because it was your, you it was your should- ego that wouldn't allow you to take <laughs> I it. Was just say, I no, know. No, I'm not that age. I'm like, I'd be all for it. Like half the price? Of course you want the discount. <laughs> Tracy, it hurt. It hurt me when they offered it. I was, I was, I was so shocked by this. I went, I went back out to my car, and and once I got out there, like my senses came to me. It was a twenty percent discount. Like everything I bought was twenty percent, right? So, anyways, yeah. um, I, I digress. It was just just your thought that the, the issue yeah. being is that is that <laughs> the issue being is that yes, we are in a long term situation that. that um, 
uh, and, and it was funny. I had the opportunity to sit in a call with with I mentioned Ed Hess, who's an author, and um, his his the book is um, uh, Find Your Own Journey, and mm. um, and so uh, it was a it was a small session, and and uh, I talked about the book, but the conversation was very much about the challenge of the future with in the, in the age of, of well, we have smart technology growing at a, a rapid rate we still have this shortage of people, particularly the challenge of, um, of engagement of people, the emotional, I'm talking about the emotional intelligence. I talked, you know, you, you, you mentioned um, these things about how do you become an employer of choice? So you have people that can help navigate through the relationships necessary to be successful. And then the ones that, that do it, they're, they're, they're going to be just so different, so distinctly mm -hmm. different from those that don't figure it out. How, yeah. How and you're seeing that now for sure. Oh, it's yeah. Like it's like, yes or no. Right. So it's, it is, it's like em employees know, cause they're asking the questions, right? Like, so they like employers who just think that they're going to get employees for money are not going to succeed. Like they won't because it's not the money. It's not just the money, I guess it's always about money, but it's not because they want to be heard. Like they want to be empowered. They want to have meaningful work. They want to be, you know, they want, they want to have impact on their position. They want to have professional development. They want growth. They want, and key things, they want transparency. They want respect. Like they want to be part of the organization and be bought in. Like these are the things that's coming up over and over again. Like what do employees want? And it comes, I mean, Google has it in about 7,000 articles, right? And so employers who understand that, right? Like, and that's why I'm talking like employee-centric kind of cultures where they focus on the employees and what do they want and bringing them up in the within the organization instead of like bringing them down or dictating down um, and just thinking, okay, well, we'll just throw money at it. Like they're not, they're not happy. So they're going to move on, right? So and there is a big gap, like of people who can do it and understand it to that people that don't right that, that that aren't on this train yet so yeah you as you speak you remind me of the book uh, the four obsessions of an extraordinary executive and yeah some of the key points are number one you have to have a cohesive environment a cohesive <laughs> leadership team you have to <laughs> hey we just gave a free like, we just gave a free advertisement here. here for the book <laughs> I got four <laughs> copies of my chest back at work. So I'm like, hold I, on, just wait, I have it right there. So we, we definitely, so we, we got to get some sponsorship credit from that. Uh, yeah. Almost obsessively, <laughs> obsessively about cohesion, about the fact that you have to have organizational clarity, the fact that you have to over communicate. And then the fourth obsession is reinforce all of the above. And as simple as that may seem, I think organizations, as you say, miss those fundamental steps in terms of building a team. And the cohesive aspect is, is that everyone has a voice and the voice is relevant. There can be debate, there can be dispute, there can be arguments, but at the end of the day, you go back to what are the fundamental objectives and how we get solutions. Uh, and I, I'm going to ask the question of you as someone has been in the business uh, longer. Is this something in terms of the employee or what they're looking for? Is this something that uh, is easily 
defined by the organization is that should that be a part of the recruitment process understand what the employee is looking for versus almost a more traditional fill out the application do a couple of interviews and here's your position yeah i know that has been changing too right like so those traditional types of of interviews where you have maybe one or two or three people on one side of the table and that poor soul is on the other side, like staring down the other three uh, or being stared down by the three. That's not a thing anymore. Like it really is more of a collaborative type of interview. Like my thought is, is that at the end of the day, whatever the process is, is that both sides have enough information to make a decision to work together into, into the future, right? For long-term. So it's not just that the employer has enough information it's the employee has enough and they're demanding that right like they're asking the questions they want to see the organization they want to have tours they're googling them like they are on glassdoor they're on their social media they're looking at their reviews and they're asking the employees like straight out like what is it like to work here so they're doing their homework as much as the employer is doing theirs and even if not more so it's really about this process is not just these traditional methods of behavioral and competency type questions, but it's more about who is the person and who is the employer and how can we get to work together? Like one of my clients, they just brought their, the, the three people that they want to look at bowling, not together, of course, but like it was a team event. And so they wanted to make sure that they could fit with the team, right? That they, that they are who they are and they wanted to just see them out, like who their personal self was, just not how great they were in an interview. So they took them yeah, like Did you say bowling? Things. Yeah, bowling, bowling. Yeah. Yeah. Coffee dates and lunch dates and all that kind of thing is just a norm. It seems like a norm now, but yeah, not for all employees, but probably for sure their leadership team. Maybe I should take up bowling. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we haven't been getting those CEO positions. I know. <laughs> yeah, you're going to go bowling with I, the I've team. Been, I've yeah. been missing out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, no, for sure. <laughs> how do you prepare, how do you work with and interview the middle management, the leadership? Because I, I want to see the addendum to this is not just the recruitment, but it's the retention. And yeah. how do you, as a recruiter and someone in the human resources uh, industry, how do you keep the middle management, upper management, understanding the engagement aspect of employees? Okay, well, a couple things. So first of all, when we start a process, it's not about what they can do, right? It's about who they are. So we're finding out about who they are, what makes them tick, what motivates them, what are their, their challenge, what are the, they'll never want to do again. And really, where's their career now? And where do they want their career to go? And what are they looking for from an employer, right? So do their values align? Uh, can the, the expectations of the leadership align? All those kind of fun things first. And if and if we have an, an employer that we know can't match those those expectations, we just don't match them together. So in an internal recruitment process, it should be the same. So to ensure that we're just focusing, we not all of it, but there should be a focus on the actual person and can you two meet each other's expectations for the long term. So it should come out in the interview process about what does this employee want and what would what it take them to stay 
And now the performance reviews are generally quarterly, right? And they're not these traditional documents that are like four pages long and you're getting rated one to four. So you can get a 2% raise, right? Like that's, those are now long gone. They're more kind of two way conversations. And there's always like, are we meeting your needs both sides and how do, and if we're not, how do we get there? So this yeah, sounds short, like, intimate. Oh, I'm sorry. This, this sounds like a nope, relationship nope. of some sort. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I know. Like, I, and I, I need it. I I it's a relationship versus a transaction, right? Like that, yeah, that's, no. that, that's what I'm feeling like you're telling me here. <laughs> it is. It's a lot more softer than it used to be for sure. Right. And so, uh, but it works. And I mean, I think it just really did start with the tech sector a long time ago. They, you know, oh. when they started bringing in, beer and bikes, you know, and making it more of like, right? Like you live at work, right? So you live there. So they're treating it like a lifestyle. And that when you have cultures that treat it like a life, where the tech sector really did start that, it just did overflow into other sectors. You know, what's interesting that something you say, because we we just went through this process here and did a presentation on on, um, kind of my my own uh, team and my, my, my day work. And there's a not that I'm advertising for Gallup, but but if they want to throw mm-hmm. some cash at this, that's that's fine too. But it's um, <laughs> uh, but you know the, the Gallup Q12 survey and, and Gallup's you know done a gazillion surveys and and uh, you know partnered in books like Strength Finders and and they've got lots of mm-hmm. deep research and they they have a, a an engagement survey. Uh, called the Gallup Q12, and one of the questions that everybody asks about, I think it's the most, um, the most questioned question, is, do you have a best friend at work? Mm. And and I'm like, you're only asking twelve questions, and and this is a this these are global surveys, and it, and people all ask, why would you ask that question? But apparently. It is one of the strongest indicators. If somebody has a best friend at work, it's one of the strongest indicators of what that relationship is like for that individual and their level of engagement, positive engagement with that organization. And and so every time we walk through this, I mean, it's the same question. It's like, I can't, I mean, it's just, this is only two weeks ago that I actually it actually fully dawned on me <laughs> how powerful that question was. I was just just answer the question. Don't you know? I'm just let's get this done. We got to get the survey done. But how powerful that question is mm-hmm. because you think about how many how many global enterprises were started by two people being friends, so they started a business together. Yeah, true. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. When you're when you're speaking about this. Uh, how do you find the relationship that Colin just spoke about? I agree. It's it's like almost a marriage, essentially. And there has to continually be dialogue and checking in on each other's uh, mental health, emotional health, etc. But do you find now that there is the divorce is too easy now? That conflict resolution, conflict management, whatever term you want to put on it, is not as... Um, as prolific as it used to be. I, I find that if there is a situation, a, an issue that come up that an employee doesn't like, they disengage right away. It's time to move mm-hmm. on. Whereas 
a decade or so ago, we worked through those challenges and we try to navigate through and around them so that we can make certain that they're resolved. Do you find that there is that quicker divorce now, even from a mid-level yeah. leadership management perspective? And why is that? Why are we so quick to divorce when conflict arises? Well, I don't know if I know the answer to that, but I do see that happen for sure. Because I mean, we see it on resumes, right? Like you would have, I mean, our, our parents did not leave their one job, right? And then it started being that, okay, we're okay with if someone is 10 years, and then it went to seven years, and then it went to five years, and now we're at two. Yes. So I was, you know, like, okay, they're staying for two years. We're That's great, right? Like stability. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that and so I would probably say because and I like I said, I don't know if I have the right answer to this one, but I do know that we're getting more comfortable with the lack of stability on resumes. So they probably think it's okay. Well, if I don't like it, I'm just gonna leave, right? I have options and they do. So instead of dealing with it, they're just like, This isn't my life, like I'm moving on, right? Like I'm gonna move because and that's the other thing too, right? Like we used to work to live and now we live to no sorry we used to live to work and now we work to live right i got that opposite it's, friday it's a good thing we understand give me each break. Other. <laughs> yeah <laughs> give me a break it's friday afternoon yeah it's uh right so they're like and that's like this whole work-life balance so well if you can't give it to me someone else is so i'm not i'm not married even though we want this relationship i'm not married to you right like so i can move on so, I don't know if I answered your question, Cavis. I don't know, but no, I you, you did because again, when I see resumes, the standard is two years. Oh my God, you made it two yeah. years. It's a stable resume, and you use that term. <laughs> this individual is stable, and that is that is almost an indictment on the trans uh, the the transient nature of employment, and I wonder as a subsequent question i wonder is this a north american thing or have we done the research enough to see whether or not it extend beyond our north american border is it happening in europe is it happening in asia and if not why and secondary to that is are we losing our competitive edge in the marketplace because of our compromising of stability on resumes now so I know we are losing our competitive edge because we now re like, right, like our competitors are not just across the street anymore. They are around the world with this whole thought of like working from anywhere um, kind of perspective, especially when it like it really got escalated right through COVID and with the way that technology is today. Like even think about the three of us right now, right? Like at one time, there was no way we wouldn't have done this unless we were in the same room sitting with each other. Right. And that wasn't very long ago. Whereas now, like we just whip onto a call and we can work from anywhere. So, which I, that's a whole other conversation that we can talk about. But, that, that, that's anyway, another podcast, Kevin. That's say. another podcast for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it is true. Like, I mean, we have people have found out that they don't need to be in the office and they can now compete around the world. And the way that we like are just even our, the way that people move. Right. Like they don't we like we worry that in especially in Saskatchewan and Canada itself, they people don't relocate. Right. Like they like their home, they like their community. They like where they are. It's very hard for them to relocate. But where it's like even the U.S., 
like they'll move in seconds. India, well, look at like India, like they just, they have no issue, you know, getting up and moving because that's their lives. Europe is the same way. Like they just get up and they move. And so that's what they do. That's it. But it also, look at the stats that we just had yesterday about the growth in Saskatchewan. And that is all through immigration, right? So other countries are doing better with the ability or are, are more comfortable with relocation. I'm, I'm glad that you're talking about all these organizational level elements, right? Because it, it sets the foundation for the question of those who are in leadership. And mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds like an absolutely daunting task to many of us, right? And, and so, um, it, and the growth that's necessary or the adaptations that are necessary as leaders to be able to, to navigate this and to, you know, get past the two-year mark with with people because mm-hmm. uh, honestly, you know, it, for a lot of the stuff I do, like it takes two years just to figure out how to, that, that you know what you're doing, and yeah. and then finally your performance really comes out in that third, fourth, fifth year. But if you only get two years, you never really get that that peak performance out of out of a person, which really can accelerate your company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's why you're trying to get them to grow within, right? Like that would be the ideal situation. They're not leaving because they're getting that growth within. They don't have to leave to get it. Right. So that's the thought is, is that if you can continually grow within the organization, you will be a valuable employee to the employer because you are now accelerating in what you can do, right? You're not just learning. You're just not getting the level, like the high level of it. You're actually being able to now get into the, into the foundations and the roots but there's got to be a plan, right? Like they need to know that they can continue to grow. They don't feel stagnant where they are. That's one of the easiest ways that we can get people to leave organizations because they feel stagnant, right? Like they feel like they're not learning. And if they're not learning, they're going somewhere else where someone else, they can learn something new. Okay. So you got a developing leader <clears throat> or a mature leader. It doesn't really matter. I'm kind of immature, but <laughs> so I don't know. I'm not sure where, where I, where I land in all this, this spectrum, but. I, I certainly know I got a lot of growth to do. Um, is there any advice that you could provide to some in terms of growing into that kind of leader? Mm-hmm. Are there are there key things that personally we should be focusing on that you look for or that you would recommend to somebody who wants to be or maybe necessarily aspire? They may not have even thought about it yet, but but could be a leader in an organization or on a team. So there's a few things. First of all, it's communication. And that's what everyone lacks, right? Like it's in your head, but you don't get it out of your head. It has to go through your mouth and tell someone so they can understand what you want. So we can't read minds as much as people think that we can. So, you know, communication is key and having the ability to have that open communication and have that welcoming like feeling in a safe space to have that communication is very, very important. But I also say as like an aspiring leader, that doesn't matter what level you're in, or you just, there has to be some self-reflection and self-accountability, right? Like you can't think, or you shouldn't depend on someone to make you that leader. You have to do the work to get there too, right? So in trying to define on what's my own purpose and what do I want to do? And and how can I get there? I need help to get there, but how can I get there? What's my role to play in it? Do, do you find, I know we were speaking about the more 
educated employees and the employees that are conducting interviews themselves uh, from the traditional interviews where you stood uh, or you sat in across the table and you're being drilled. Now the interview is two way, as you said. Do you find though that employees and potential leadership candidates don't fully understand what they want? They haven't built that beyond that two-year plan. They haven't done, like Colin said, they haven't done the five-year to 10-year. They haven't had that outlook and projection of where they want to be. So they themselves are still trying to figure out and navigate their career path, their leadership path. And it kind of put the company as more the testing ground than the relational uh, aspect of it. Yes. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think that's part of their journey that they have to realize too. Like if they want to get there, they have to have that self-reflection of what that looks like. And it is true. Like they are looking for right now and then they have the eventually, and then eventually they get the eventually I want to be this. But I also think that just comes with time and maturity, right? Like throughout your career, I don't know if anybody 20 years old ever knows what they're doing, right? Or even 30. Or 50. But or 50. Or 50, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're still in denial that you're 50, that you won't even take the seniors card. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. I'm just. <laughs> I yeah. can't do it, lady. I can't do it. <laughs> in, in that very same light, when you, we don't have that clarity, we don't have that understanding. Do you think the role and the training of HR advisors and companies should. If it hasn't already, I'm making the assumption it hasn't. Do you think the role of training of HR advisors, experts in companies should be more refined in the sense of understanding each individual employee versus the global, put everyone in a basket, just keep making certain numbers in there so that we can get more into the retention aspect of it? Are you seeing that kind of shift in HR decision maker uh, 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 operations? Yeah, for sure. So HR used to be like known as like the police in the corner, right? Like they would just be in this office and they would be writing policies and they were making sure that there was, you know, that they were, um, you know, like labor law and all the legal stuff was in place and all those kind of administrative type of things. But now you'll even see it like people, their titles have shifted, shifted to be more like people and culture. So, and they're called people and culture leaders or the director of people and culture. So it's more focusing on the human aspect of human resources. Um, And even some people have that logo, right? Like I focus on the human side of human resources, but yeah, anyways, I just, but uh, yeah, so it is shifting for sure. Yeah, it is shifting, I would say. Maybe is this, Tracy, you've done some things in your business. You've made a bit of a, you, you, you and I were talking a few weeks ago or maybe it's a few months ago that you began to make a shift in your business and where you were trying to teach companies some things around doing their own recruitment. Is this, mm-hmm. is this in that space or could you describe what you're doing there? Because I thought, I thought it was fascinating when, you know, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm taking away my own competition. Like, so (laughs) it's, uh, yeah. So basically what I, because I work with small to medium sized businesses and not for profits, generally the per there's, they don't have someone that focuses on HR unless they're, or if they do, they have one. Right. And then they're the generalist. So then 
recruitment is part of their role. But let's be clear. HR people who love HR duties don't love recruitment. Like that's, they're like, everyone's, I hate recruitment. But every day I'm like, I, everyone says to me, I don't know how you do your job. Like, why would you ever do that job? But like, there's four of us that love it. Like, so, but anyway, so we, so there, but I watch with my clients that there's sometimes they come to us request that they shouldn't have to, right? And, or they, or they just don't want to, right? So they want us to do it. But I think if they had better process internally, that would give them more of a success rate than they would, then they would be okay with doing it, right? Like, almost everyone is like when they're doing the recruitment on the side of their desk, it's like, this is the worst part of my job. Like, I don't want to do this piece. It's because they don't know how, right? Like there's not like there's, they didn't go take a class. They are, everyone is self-taught. They're learning from each other. So they're created their own process. If they have a process, they probably didn't put a plan together, you know, like, and so, and 50% of hires fail. Like that's the stat, like 50% because it usually comes to the planning process. It all started at the, that the planning process didn't, there was no plan or it wasn't a great plan and they didn't follow through and do all the steps because they either don't know how or they don't have any time. So that's what, so that's why I started this course. Can I, um, uh, can I talk about a situation where you'd actually helped, helped, I'm going to say helped me, but you helped our organization work with it. And because I, I, I thought the process, um, the process that, that you used was, I think for some leaders in an organization would be very scary <laughs> to, to do um, because it was really around preparing for succession. And, mm -hmm. you know, on my, my first day on the job, it, you know, as a CEO, uh, yeah, it was the first day. I, first, I immediately started talking about with the board Hey, listen, I got to be ready to have two or three options for you at any point in time. Right. And, and yeah. whether it be, you know, I get hit by a lottery, um, somebody comes and drops a big bag of money in my lap and says, you know, I fall in love and I'm gone, you know, like these kinds of yeah. things that, that happen, I immediately felt I had an obligation to do that. And there was a point where I said, Tracy, we, we want, I want to do this right. <laughs> And you went through mm -hmm. a very extensive process that was a, a fairly, you know, there was a lot of work done both at the board level and, and, you know, insight into the organization. And I kind of didn't want to know what you were doing until it was done almost. Um, could you, you know, without using necessarily me, but talk about that exactly. Cause I thought <laughs> it was a really important thing that I've encouraged others to do and to take a really good look at, um, because part of my obligation as a leader is to make sure that there's another leader in, yeah. like to grow other leaders. And I really felt I needed to, to prepare properly for that. But they actually even teach you in the ICD course, right? Like you, once right. you start recruiting for your next CEO, once you hire your CEO, right? Like right. they do talk about that, right? Like day one is like, you're looking for your next CEO. Cause you don't know when that could be right. Like you have to be realistic. We're humans, right? Something can happen. Uh, hopefully on the positive side. So, but yeah, I think, are you chatting about like, so in the beginning we do a lot of stakeholder engagement to really get to understand the organization. Our thought is, is that in the philosophy of essence is that we work, we want to know as much information like we are working for you at your organization. We're not in like a 
a consultant on the side or a third party vendor. So, and I, we want to do that for both sides, a, that we're recruiting for you for the right person that you're looking for. But then also I've been doing this long enough. I know the questions that are going to come out right from the other side. So we need to understand those questions and uh, to be able to answer those questions as we're recruiting for the, for the role. So there is a lot of work in the front end. Like it's not a, it's not a 10 minute meeting. Give me your job description. It's like, okay, let's talk about your company and not where it is just today, but where do you want it to be? Because the person that we're going to look for is not for today. It's how they're going to be able to meet your expectations with your business plan into the future. So we work a lot around that, I think at the beginning, and then we create documents that for both sides. So it, it makes sense this. Yeah, this is the person we're looking for. So essentially we create a job description and a job profile for every role and whatever job description they had, we probably threw it out and started all over because it, as we get through the process of talking to people, we really understand what you're, and it actually helps you understand what you're looking for. And I talk about that in our training program. It's like, there's a title and if you google it it's supposed to be this objective and these are the duties they're supposed to do but that really doesn't make sense for your company so let's figure out what they're doing in your company now and where do we want them to be because that's what we're screening for so again that goes back to on the other side what is someone's career expectations knowing yeah i want to be ceo one day but right now you're really just at the manager level so how are we where do we get those skill sets where we understand that they can get there so in, yeah. in that process, I imagine you get some discovery in terms mm. of culture. What, like, what really yes. goes on outside of the plaque that we put on the wall? <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely, yeah, for sure. I know the vision and mission plaques and our values, but nobody can actually list them. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah. And in, in, in that same breath, Tracy, you were talking about job description and role definement. Again, understanding what the employer needs as well as what the employee needs, that both needs have to essentially be copacetic and allow each other to grow. A little bit earlier, you mentioned the term professional development, and, and I keep mm. hearing that term professional development. And it's such a blanket term. And I'm wondering, do people see professional development in the scope of education? Do they see professional development some in terms of attending conferences? Do they see professional development in what light do you think and you feel that people are looking at professional development, that innocuous uh, term, as a factor in their decisions to stay with the company? Yeah. And it is blanket because it should be like, because to everything you just said, like how they learn will be in different ways. Right. So it could be that you need a coach or you're getting like a more of a kind of a, a, a mentor, right? Like in maybe it's in kind of a more of a structured way uh, or there is like conferences or there are programs, there's certificates, you know, there's all different ways that you can do things like, so in essence, internally, every employee gets $2,500 a year on professional development, but it has to be what they want it to be, right? So I can't, I don't want to force something down their throat. So like, um, to get like a, it like, that is 
makes sense for that role. So for example, it'd be a recruiter role. I, you know, I'm not going to say, listen, you need to take that, that recruiter certification to be a recruiter at essence, but you need to figure out something that will help you grow within the organization. So it could be something completely different. So our sourcer is actually, she went and took like a social media course, right? Like, so something totally different than what she does to learn a new skill that actually did help our organization, but more importantly, it helped her and kept her motivated within our organization, right? So it gave her a new skill set, motivated her to do something different because her role is very daunting, right? So she did something. And so we gave that piece to her because she wanted it. It wasn't part of her job description. It wasn't anything that we ever thought that she would do, but it did make sense for our organization too. We're taking like truth oh. and reconciliation, like all like the four seasons of truth and reconciliation, you know, all these different types of things that you can do. Um, I think Leanne is taking something completely it's an operational type of course. It doesn't make sense for a recruiter, but it's helping her and her professional development, right? So that's why it is blanket because they decide what they want and they, and, but they're always continuing to learn. Uh, Kavis, maybe we should apply for jobs with, with Tracy. <laughs> I, I think I think she'd be a great boss. Twenty five hundred dollars for twenty five hundred dollars for professional development. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, and I, I realize we're, we're we're slowly running out of time here, so but but I want to squeeze a couple of things. In. So we, in, in that professional development um, vein, there's there's this term I keep hearing over and over again about our organizations and I've said this too, our organizations need to become more adaptable. We got to be, mm -hmm. you know, we got to adapt because the times are changing, which means our people have to adapt to stuff really quickly. And sometimes we forget as leaders that we have to be adaptable. Like we have to be able to, 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 you know, learn, unlearn something and relearn something fairly rapidly. In order, in order to to keep the organization fresh, and because we're competing globally, and everybody's kind of chasing each other, what mm -hmm. what what do you you know a, as you're identifying leaders or talent to, to move in an organization? How much do you spend thinking about that when you're trying to identify the right person for for those kind of leadership roles? The professional development piece. The, well, the adaptability. Oh, okay. That's one of the key skills that we actually look for in leadership is adaptability. Cause I think, right. Like in the way that employers need to be nowadays, it is very quickly changing. So they have to adapt, right. And pivot um, more than probably they ever have before. So when, and we all know, like, I mean, even people who are adaptable and like change don't like change, right. Like, so it takes time. Right. So we have to, so the more that they can be adaptable or be agile is, you know, another word um, is, I think is a trait of a good leader. So I actually want to talk that professional development thing. Again, I get really interested on resumes about professional development. I just, I love it when people are just trying to learn, right? Like they may not have a degree. That's whatever reason why that that's okay. But they did, they've done other things to educate themselves and it doesn't have to always be a professional school, right? Like it can be just different things and why they took it. And some of it is because they understood that they didn't have any education. So they were taking courses to help them with their careers or they were just interested and they took a one day class on how to 
write a book. I don't know, like anything. So it was just, so it's very interesting to me, but I'm just watching to see if people are taking, um, you know, being the initiative to learn. Because people who want to learn can be more adaptable, right? Yeah. And to that point, I, I, I'm going to ask the question. When you talk to leaders, what are some of the fundamental things you tell them in terms of building their culture to create a learning conducive, safe, creative, productive environment? I, I think sometimes we overanalyze and we overcomplicate this simple process of creating safety, learning conducive environments, and it translates regardless of the organization and what the organization is trying to do. There's so many component parts in organizations now. We, The engagement of diversity, the social aspects that we have, the different personalities that you're bringing together. And, and I think it's a misnomer and it's a, for another podcast. I think we have it totally wrong when we talk about work-life balance. There's no such thing, in my opinion. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> but that term is out there now and it's a catch-all for a lot of people and it's a fallback mm -hmm. for a lot of people and it's because <laughs> for a lot of people. But my diatribe, what are some of the things you tell leaders to just how to create this kind of environment to get people? Yeah, and I think you kind of already chatted about it a little bit and I would say don't overanalyze it. Like keep it simple, right? Like so if you are, so if you're going in and doing a study within your your organization and you overcomplicate it by having too many meetings or having too many cooks in the kitchen, um, you know, it will, it just over, it just, it, it just, it, it doesn't work because you're putting too much into it. Like just let it run. Right. Like, so be simple, put initiative in it, have a purpose, communicate it. And just start moving forward. You don't have to have all your ducks in a row to start doing this. It, it's a process. And then it's, it, some of it, it's just like a change when you're going through change management, right? Like you get your people, you, you test it, you communicate it, you change it, you test it again, you, and then you make it and you show and you prove it by results, right? So it's, it's kind of like always, always changing. It's, it's always adapting. It's never going to be one, but it is more about like just keeping it simple so you can communicate it and people get it. That's all that, right? Like no one wants to read books. No one actually reads anymore, right? They only have, they only know bullet points and you should be able to text it to them. You know, <laughs> just kidding. That's a little bit, but just kidding. But yeah, right? Like don't, you don't need a, policy book on it you just need to prove it by action and that's simplicity that's what i would say don't overcomplicate that's why i love 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 working with small to medium sized businesses and not for profits like i don't know if i will personally never be able to work for corporate ever again because there's just too many layers and too many decision makers and it just the process doesn't make sense right like I get they do it for risk. I understand that. And there's got to be structure because the bigger you get, the more structure, but it's too many layers for me. I'm like, let's just get this done. Make a decision. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
You can tell by my personality that's kind of the way that I am. <laughs> not hiding it. It's, it's actually really refreshing and really engaging. And because I, I found I'm very fascinated, like Colin, we're fascinated with this idea of leadership and team building. Because regardless, you're building yeah. a team. And we mentioned something earlier that I feel is very important in any environment, competitiveness. Having competitive people tend to bring with it as a residual and byproduct, people that are committed to a process, people that are committed to getting right, and people that have a little bit more resiliency. So one of the biggest thing I look for when I screen people or analyzing people for a team as a teammate, how competitive are you? Because if you're very mm -hmm. competitive, you're going to have a little bit more stamina when things get tough and you're not going to pull the parachute. And I think that we're becoming in North America so much less competitive because we're afraid of offending, hurting people, or having something litigious happen to us. But it's, in my opinion, team building and corporations need to start to focus on how competitive are your people because they're going to be more apt to want to learn and grow with the organization. Yeah, for sure. Um, that brings me back to like the lingo of like culture ad, right? Like, so because people that come in with a different experience or a different skill set or thought process, right, will actually bring value to the organization, but it seems disruptive, right? Because they're like, well, no, let's not just all row the boat the same way. We never went that way before. So let's try it. And everyone's like, no, I don't. We've always done it this way. We like it this way. We're in harmony this way. But really, there's a pot of gold over there. Let's just go see it. Right. And so they seem disruptive that they don't fit the organization. But in reality, they have the buying in the culture. They just want to roll a different way. So and should try it. Which more adapted people are okay with that, right? I, so this is like this is like icing. <laughs> these these are the extras. I I love this, Tracy. Oh man, no, I you got you oh my got God, my, okay, you got my brain going. This is a book I'm reading oh, right now. Which is great. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I'm laughing. I was like, oh, I, I, I got I got her book too. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should start a new book. I feel left out. <laughs> oh, I'll mail you a copy. This is it's a great it's a great book. Angela Duckworth is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, and let's try, just Tracy, I, I know it's Friday after. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, no, how many books did now? we just sell today? Like, no, this, this is actually, actually yeah. Three. We, we, we have we have. A, I have I have five Three. of Patrick Linnisoni's books. I Linnisoni, I can always never pronounce his last name. Lens, Patrick's Lencioni. Lencioni. There's five of them. Yeah. If, you were, right if you had a little here, bit of Italian, so. it would be easier for you. Right? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> so we can chat about those if you want. But yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I, I'm not. No, no, I'm. I'm. I'm I, I, well, I got. I got another one. Since we're showing books, here's his other book. This this one was yeah. a good. Five dysfunctions of a team. Oh, oh, this but one. I'm, I'm not even in you my library. Hold on, yeah. hold on. What other one do I got? How about 
This one, <laughs> the Temptations of a CEO. It's like, I got oh, the one. Yeah, I got the ideal team player. <laughs> 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 Look at that. All right, so we're showing off our library. Okay, time out, time out. <laughs> this is the only on my desk. In the mail. <laughs> yeah, the royalty checks. Just keep, let's just keep pumping them. <laughs> Um, Tracy, we got we have oh. one, we have a question that we ask everybody. We ask oh, no. abs- absolutely everybody, and um, no, we're finding this interesting. Like I, I'm not sure. At first, I thought maybe we can make a word cloud out of this, or you know, something fancy looking. But I, I don't know. I but but Kavis and I, when we first started talking about about you know having live conversations with with people and, and maybe just recording them because we we learned so much right and go back and listen to them and share this the question we keep coming up with with everybody is if if you had the opportunity if we're, we're building a prototypical leader we're going to build a prototype blank slate and if you had the opportunity to pick one now everyone tries to break the rules on me so uh, but <laughs> yeah, one yeah. <laughs> one characteristic or attribute mm. that you think was the most critical thing that this leader have what what would that be for you just one can I have three? See, this is why people break the rules. This is why people break the rules. They, they start off with just one. I can't just. It's like today a, it's we're like gonna a, stick to it. <laughs> we're gonna see if she follows the rules. Mm, this isn't even fair. I have like six or seven words right now that I'm thinking of that yeah. I just would be, but yeah. just one. Hey. <sighs> Okay, I'm going to say one word, and then I'm going to call you guys back and say, no, just kidding. I'm thinking this. Um, <laughs> I would say, I can't, well, no, I'm going to run onto a lot of words here. I would say. You know, you know what? Did, did I you, would say accountability. We had, we had accountability. Yeah. Is that your final Compassion? answer? <laughs> no, it's not. Accountability, compassion, mm. honesty, transparency, respect. I don't know. <laughs> I'll say accountability. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, honesty is there. Like, like honest, like compassion, empathy. <laughs> There's lots of words I got for you, but <laughs> I'd say, but really in reality, like, but to lead, you have to be accountable for yourself first. Right. So, and that's why I just keep on coming back to that. Like we'll say that word. Final answer. <laughs> You're going to lock Maybe. it in. Well, I know. Okay. Every, everybody, Maybe. yeah, everybody does exactly what you're doing. It's like <laughs> we, we had, um, we had, we had Senator Wallen on here uh, a few weeks ago and she gave, she gave a politician's answer, right? Like she, um, she rammed yeah. everything into the, you know, she yeah, was she really good. It all good. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 was a <laughs> it was all pie. woven together. It wasn't a word cloud. It was a word pie, a word suit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man! Yeah. No, I love it. You, you you touched on a whole bunch of things that are critically important. So I mean, yeah. so Tracy <laughs> wants a compassionately accountable leader who's empathetic and honest and honest. Who's with honest, honesty all over Yeah. <laughs> takes charge, moves forward. Driven, everybody takes everybody cheats. <laughs> <laughs> We've been playing this game and nobody's sticking to the rules. <laughs> wow. But that's 
Oh. Hey, you can't just have one trait. Like, I mean, honestly, like if you only had one trait, you wouldn't, I don't know what type okay. of leader you would have, but yeah. <laughs> you see, the, the idea is, is that we want to know what's at the pinnacle of your pyramid of leadership building. Mm-hmm. What is at the apex of it? What is one thing that you think is immutable that a leader must have? Yeah, yeah I'd lock it in and I'd absolutely say just accountability. Final answer. Million dollar okay. question. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else? The, the mic so has been right? dropped. <laughs> am I right? Is that a good answer? Oh is man! It, are you like? Are you like? No. Is it a good answer? We're gonna have, we're gonna like have a fantastic it? book. It's it's a great answer. It is a great answer. I, I, I it's your gonna, answer. It's your answer. It's, That's what matters. Yeah, it's your answer. That's why it's great. <laughs> And the, the reason okay. we're doing it is because no, because we're 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 thinking the the idea behind this is different leaders like yourself. We're trying to see whether or not when we're building in our minds what leadership should look like. What are those characteristics? And we're seeing what we're seeing is most leaders that come on here have been close in terms of the very same thing. So we can say with our research that empathy, accountability are core values that a leader should have. Yeah, for sure. So you so you were awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. Tra- tra- Tracy, um, thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you for taking, thank you for taking your Friday afternoon with me. And, and, and Kavis, um, your, your, your website is essencerecruitment.ca. Um, they can, if somebody logs on that site, they can connect you directly or somebody on your team and want to find out a bit more. Um, and, uh, and, and you're, you're also on LinkedIn, so it's really easy to find, uh, find you, your, your company there too. So I encourage people to, uh, to do that. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a lot of fun. I wasn't sure what I was expecting. And I was like, okay, Friday afternoon, i got to get my brain going, but that's okay. But well, we're good to go. Well, to be honest with you, we when we when we call each other up, we don't know what to expect either. So it, okay, it's, good. This, is, this is fun. And we get a chance to learn um, from everybody. So, uh, you know, I, I look forward to listening to these afterwards. And, and so, again, I thank you. We normally tell everybody to, to stay bald as one of her slogans, mm, you've got nice hair. Yeah. You don't need to, yeah. don't worry. No. Again, people are breaking rules with us. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> got it. Yeah, no, I'm not, yeah. sorry. Not going to be bald. Thank you for listening to this episode of Bald Leadership. If you enjoyed the show, please follow, like, and share. See you next time. <laughs>